Mighty Father, we, we, we want to already give you the thanks because we know, Lord Father, your word will proceed. It will get to your people's hearts and it will produce fruit. It will get into their heart with understanding. It will give spiritual wisdom and understanding to them that the world today that you proceed will bear fruit in their heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Alright, so um, we'll just go straight to what the Lord has for us today. And the uh, to me made mention of, uh, I was trying to ask us if we all remember what happened in the previous week. And I just said, let me just start from there. You know, through the past week, it has been a blessing for every word the Lord has given through different people that spoke. It has always been a blessing. Starting from last Sunday, Pastor um, Richard talked about the uh, way of false teachers. How we will move, you know, beware of false teachers and come in sheep skin or sheep clothing. Yet there are wolves inside of them. But one thing the Bible says is that we would always know them. Of course, we don't expect a mango tree to suddenly produce bananas. Of course, we will always know them. I think that, that was in uh, March 7, 15. March 7, 15 to 20. Uh, and then on Tuesday, Baruch, we talked about knowing the time. It is essential that every believer know what the Lord is doing at every time he has season in our life. The men of Issachar knew this, they applied this. They knew what they had to do at a particular time. And um, on Thursday, Rotimi talked about covetousness. And this is very, very important. In fact, I was saying after this covetousness, I don't think uh, we need to be able to come to church today to talk about something else. We could even just uh, summarize three things that we want on Sunday, on Tuesday, and Thursday. They were fully packed. And one thing we must know covetousness is, should I say, one of the prevalent sins in the world today. In Luke 12 15, we can look at Luke 12 15 from the Nuclear NLT. Jesus was saying, 15. Then he said, Beware, guide against every kind of grief. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. Okay, this is, we all know this story about uh, um, a rich man. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I will have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. 
And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough store away from years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Does this sound like what our aim, most of us, or most of the people in the world think about today? Verse 20, For God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you want for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up everywhere, but not have a rich relationship with God, which is the most important thing. It doesn't matter how much we are amassed, how much we, we, we have accrued to ourselves. Life is not about those things. And if you continue reading that entire chapter, um, Jesus also talked about um, what we as believers need to do. He said, don't worry about these things. The Lord, your Father, know that you will need these things. But one thing is sure, that is, forsake the kingdom of God wholeheartedly. So it is to that um, context, I will just kind of continue from there, but with a different topic this time, I want to talk about ourselves, self. I don't know if any of us have come across our self, our old self. Um, Jesus says, the Bible says, put away our old self, we should die to ourselves. All right. Um, what, if you look at the central, I just want to ask the question, what is the central focus of Jesus' teachings? What is his main aim when it comes to Jesus' teaching? What have we found out? What is the main trust? We will see that in John 3, when he was talking with Nicodemus. Let's see that. John 3, 1 to 7. The main aim of the gospel, the main aim of Jesus' teaching, get towards everyone being reborn, everybody dying to uh, his whole self. John 3, 1 to 7. Okay, right. Verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After that one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied. This is a very straight and direct answer. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But that was straight from Jesus to Nicodemus. Verse 4, what do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's home and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but this Holy Spirit is back to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. That is the central thing. 
you want to know how to share the gospel. The aim of our main trust of our gospel today, or even from the past to the future, is to or want to be born again, or want to live the old life and have a new life. And of course, when you're born again, and when you're born anew, you become a child of God. For every one of us, we are all child of our parents, because we're born by our parents. The same thing when we are born again. Uh, being born again is as through the spirit, a new person in you. And because you're born through the spirit, you become a child of God. That is the purpose of every gospel, of Jesus' teaching, sorry. So but normally, um, we don't have the phrase in the Bible that says, die to self. I, I don't think has anyone come across that, die to self. No, but we usually we do have similar phrases. Okay, we'll look at such one now. Luke 9, Luke 9, 23 to 25. Let's start from there. Luke 9, 23. 23, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. That means your whole self. Give up your whole self. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to harm to your life, you will lose it. That means trying to go back to your old ways, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for the sake, for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit? And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are but yourself lost or destroyed? You know, the concept of self is self-centered. It's um, all about when when the Bible say die to sin, it's all about someone. You know, living the whole self, living the spiritual, um, the self-centered, the physical, you know, things of this world, and wholeheartedly follow God, wholeheartedly seeking God, wholeheartedly um, seeking the face of God. The Bible says that um, the Bible says that He, the Holy Father. Know that you need these things. But the first thing you need to do is to first seek him wholeheartedly. And of course, if you seek him with your whole heart, what else is remaining? Uh, let's see Ephesians 4, verse 22. Ephesians 4, 22. True hope. Okay, and how to use the word, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Our old self is corrupt. The old self is corrupt, evil, is destructive. And you know what? The old self cannot please God. It's beyond able to please 
Lord, there's no amount of what to do, there's no amount of passion to our own self that will lead to it pleasing the Lord. And that is why the Bible says, throw off that old self, put off that old self, and what? Put on a new self. Okay, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to God. 17, you said what the old life is gone and a new life has begun. If you belong to Christ. When Bartini was talking about covetousness, covetousness um, is an attribute to self, to that selfish part of the whole life, the selfish part of um, our corrupt self, who just wants everything to, to himself. The old self cannot please God. There's no way you can please God. And that's why the Bible just stressed that fact that your whole self can never please God. Jeremiah had a, a kind of blank picture about our whole self. That's Jeremiah 17 19. Even Jesus talked about it too. Let's look at Jeremiah 17 9. From, if we can, let's see who the amplifier. Okay. The heart is deceitful. That's the old self, right? The old self or heart is deceitful above all things. And it is exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. Who can know it? That means you can perceive, understand of the affected with his own heart and mind. But it is not possible that you think you know your mind, or you know your heart, or you know yourself, and um, you feel that your whole self can still serve the Lord. It is not possible. The Bible clearly states here that our whole self is corrupt. Our whole self cannot please the Lord. Let's look at the account of um, Mark 7. Mark 7, 21. Mark 7, 21 to 23. Okay. For from within, for from within, that is out of the heart of men, form, base, and wicked thoughts. This is the self. Sexual immorality, stealing, murder, adultery, covacting, that is a greedy desire to have more wealth. 
dangerous and destructive wickedness, deceit, unrestrained, indecent conduct, indecent conduct, and evil high as envy, slander, evil speaking, malicious misrepresentation, abusive, pride, the sin of an uplifted heart against God and man. Foolishness that's fully lack of sense, recklessness, thoughtlessness. All these evil that the purpose and desires come from within our own self. You can just imagine all this attributed to the um, to, to the whole self. This is why the whole self cannot please God. This is why the Bible has um, has emphasize that we need to get rid of ourselves, our whole self. And the thing is that left alone to ourselves, we are just hopeless, totally hopeless. We're just like a hopeless case. You know, we need we need um, Christ. We need to be regenerated. We need to be born again. Our whole self will always drive us back. We'll always you know, make us not do what God wants us to be in our life. Our whole self is deceitful, it's corrupt, it's evil. It can't, it's just beyond pleasing God. When you talk about righteousness and the rest, it's the self, it's the whole self. It's that selfish, self centered self that always wants all to himself. And this is. Um, this is why Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus that you need to be born again. You need to kill that self. You need to put on a new man. This new self is um, this new self can do or can be what God wants or desire that person to do. Actually, I wanted to take First uh, John two fifteen to seventeen as my main choice. Actually, but. Uh, I just felt to permit to other verses. Let's look at that. First John 2, 15 to 17. This is a familiar one. First John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of flesh, which is craving for sensual gratification, the lust of the high, which is breeding longings of the mind, and the pride of life as assurance in one's own resource or in the stability of everything. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears, and we eat the forbidden cravings, that is the passion, the desire, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purpose in his life abides that remains forever. I don't know if does verse 16 bring a bell to any of us? Does verse 16 ring a bell to any of us? Is it familiar somewhere? We come across it somewhere. I will be disappointed to know that no, it's not really there right now. Let's look at it 
It talked about what loss of flesh, loss of the eye, kind of life. Something happened that changed the entire course of man, that changed the entire uh, plan of man. Of course, well, from the beginning, God had that plan that things would happen this way. That event happened in Genesis 3 6. Genesis 3, to be precise, in the entire chapter. Let's look at Genesis 3. Focus on verse 6. I will come back and compare to what we have here. Okay, general, Genesis 3 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, suitable and pleasant for food, and that it was delightful to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of it and ate, and she gave some also to her husband and ate. Let us concentrate at the part where, at the beginning, where it said, when the woman saw that the tree was good. Out of these three, loss of life, loss of uh, the flesh, loss of the eye, and pride of life, which of these three does this suit him of going to? The woman saw that the tree was good, that was suitable and pleasant for food. Which of these three does it matter to? Lost of Lost of I said it was good for food. All right, let's let's quickly go back to First um, John two sixteen. I wish there was a way we can share the screen. It's not possible now. Loss of flesh that's craving for sensual gratification. The loss of eyes. Longings of the mind. So, what is sensual gratification? If I may ask. Okay, the, the way we are in All right, before I. Before we go back to Genesis, I just want us to reflect again. The loss of flesh, the loss of eyes, what creating longings for the mind, and the pride of life is what assurance in one's own resource and stability of healthy things. So back to Genesis 3 6. Okay. So, and when the woman saw that a tree, was good, that the loss of all the flesh for food, and that it was delightful to look at. That's what loss of the eye, and a, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise. What is pride of life? She wants to be like God. That was the devil told her that you can be like God. And of course, she went home, ate it. And that was history. Um, that was what definitely changed the course of life. But this was not going to go. God already uh, knew this was happening. This will happen. And he knows that his son Jesus 
was going to die to, to serve us in sacrificial cleansing for us. But you see, these three things drive, is a basic driving factor of life today the loss of flesh, the loss of life, um, the loss of the eye, and the pride of life. Now, Satan was chief architect of this. So, what he basically did to the first man and the first woman in the Garden of Eden was, first of all, you know, encourage them to encourage them to, to doubt the word of God and his goodness. Because that is what she did. Say, did God really say so? Did God really mean it? Suddenly she doubted, she, she, she doubted one word. And God has placed his command for their good, for their good. Because he knows that the moment their self is exposed, self-centeredness comes in. Those cravings, self-centered craving will come in, just like what the devil did. The devil also, when the dark world war, what they did at that point was for them to be they stood above God in terms of moral judge. In fact, that is what most of us do on the dark world's world. When you dark world's world, it means you are not you 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 are judging God um, if he says do not touch the dark was the let me touch. You are placing yourself above God in terms of moral judgment and, and the lost things. And that was what um, came, came between man and God. So the question I want to ask is, do these things, is these things that, does these things that the self crave for, our own self crave for, does it really make us who God wants to be? 1st John 15 says that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not with that person, what does that actually mean? Does, does, does it mean that when we chase these things, the love of the Father is not going to be with us? We live in a culture today in a society today that is consumed with self, everything about our culture today, or our society today, is talking about ourselves, how to improve self, how to improve our image, how to improve or yes, improve our self-esteem. Everything today, our culture um, specifies or concentrates on that. In fact, most times you see motivational book sales or motivational audio or podcast sales. If five people go to the library, if they do go to library, I don't know if they still go to library these days. Well, of course, definitely if they go to library, you are very sure that 80 to 90 percent of them will pick something to motivate themselves, motivate that self, motivate that inner self. Um, you see books like How to Be Who You Want to Be. Um, ten ways to to be the best you are. You know this whole idea of ourselves take away God. You know, it's not centered around God. 
and that's what the Bible teaches. But every idea about self take away that part of God from us. And we start looking inside towards us to, to look for change. This idea says that everybody's change, what's necessary for our change, is inside us. And which is wrong? That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you know, we all need to look like Christ, walk like Christ, behave like Christ. That is what we are attending to. I say, imitate me as I follow Christ, as Paul talking to believers. Imitate me as I follow Christ. But the ideas today, the, the ideas you find in our culture today, in our social uh, society today, does not say so. It says, look inside you, you can be the best. You don't necessarily have to, you know, be so religious to be who you can be or to be the best of yourself. So the culture today promotes self and not the things of God. So what are the solutions of this self thing that we are talking about? We already see it's to die to self. We need to die to self. I mean, that's the simple word. We need to die to self. Let's look at Galatians 5, 24. In the NLT translation. Galatians 5.24. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passion and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucify them with the air. Right? John 12.24. John 12, 24. This is Jesus. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new life. The old self needs to die, and that is period. And only when he dies that the new self can be produced, that the new self which is able to become what God desires will produce. The old self cannot be what God desires it to be. It is, let me use, let me use the word anti-God. It's just six for itself. It's self-centered. In fact, there's no way in the Bible that the Bible says we need to patch the old self to be able to do what God wants us to do. Or we need to patch the old self so that we'll be able to be what God desires us to do. There's no way in the Bible. It's clearly stated that our old self will have to go. Our old cravings will have to go. Our, our, our thought of just sanctifying ourselves, just like the parable we read initially talking about the the, um, the, the rich man that had limited to himself and did not have a relationship with God. And that is what a self um, person can do. You know, our identity our identity and confidence, because if, if you look at um, 
the books, these motivational books, they teach about us improving our confidence. Uh, they teach about self-esteem, improving our self-esteem. But the truth is that our confidence, our hope, our self-esteem lies in Jesus. Not in those words. Acts 17, 28. The first part of the verse, Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and exist. Our existence is in Christ. Our confidence, our identity, our hope is in Christ and not in ourselves. We cannot by ourselves generate this confidence. We cannot by ourselves generate this hope. Lies be God. One we need to be born again. So life is not about us becoming all that we can be, but it is about Christ being all that he has already been in us and through, through us. You know, um, you may say, but we are just clean, just of clean. But Christ in us may express his power in us. The resource that we need to be, to be confident, the resource we need to be hopeful, the resource we need to esteem ourselves lies within Christ in us, lies within knowing us, knowing Christ, lies within seeking God wholeheartedly with your, with your heart. All right, um, back again to 1 John 2, um, 1 John 2, 15. You see, um, John mentioned the word, mentioned the word, word. There's a system of the world, I know we've all heard of this, people were actually talked about it, was it yesterday or so? Yes. We talked about it a little yesterday. You know, the system of the world is a spirit, well, in it or not. Um, if you were in a prayer studies yesterday, prayer meeting yesterday, sorry, we actually talked about um, we having that is the existence of the supernatural, that's a spiritual world. Right? The system of the world's being the spirit is a force. What do I mean? It's a force that pressures people to do what's contrary to the word of God. You know, the world system is a false system of value. The world system is that system that will tell you what is valuable, what is successful, uh, what is the best, um, what is self-confidence, what does it mean when we say someone has arrived, someone has made, someone has made it, or someone has made it, sorry, what does it mean? All these values are the values from the world system. They are false. We, 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 don't, we don't look at those values as values that can lead us or make us be who God wants to, wants to do for us. You know, the first system of value promotes ourselves. I may ask every one of us now, who do we think is the greatest preacher, or sorry, is the greatest man of God, if I use that word? 
Okay, so I'm going to just uh, give you the side of okay, caution. Yes, but I'm very sure many of us will have metrics, reasons, or yes, metrical reasons why we think one is greater than the other. Um, I think it was yeah, somewhere in the Bible where okay, Jesus talked about John as the greatest prophet. Alright? How do we know or what do we know? What was the reason behind Jesus saying that John the Baptist was the greatest of all or any man who lived on this earth? Why did you try to now find out? Why did you say he was the greatest? Okay. Some, some, some can say, I know the brother Emmanuel is a cheater outside. Some can say, okay, what about Elijah? What about Elisha? These people, these people do great things for God. These, these people, you know, did things that, that were unfathomable through the power of God. These people divide water, cause fire to come down. So, what, what is so special about John? What, what does he have? What, what, what are those special talents he had? Just baptizing people, right? So, but, you know, the way we measure greatness is not the same way God sees greatness. And that's why I said the word system, the value are false. Um, the way the world or society measure greatness is different from how the Bible of God sees greatness, right? The, if, if, for example, you all want to go for a lecture and there are three people to give lectures and you have the choice to attend any of them, you are not, it's not compulsory, you attend all three. And against the name of each of these lecturers, you see one, Mr. Solomon, you see the other professor, Mike, you see the other professor, Emitros, Emitros Professor Sususu. Who would you likely go and attend the lecture for? Of course, you want to get the best. You want to call Mr. Solomon, maybe, maybe guy just started, right? And maybe guy is still then, maybe just an associate lecturer, but that's it. So that is how we see greatness. John happens to be great because of, you know, the position he came in at the time of history. You know, he was to be sent ahead of Jesus to proclaim Jesus' coming. And you might say, is that what I mean? That's what we can create. But yet, Jesus was saying that even the least in his kingdom, it's greater power. A typical example was the one we saw in Matthew 20. Let's go there. Matthew 20. We all know that story. Matthew 20. Matthew 20, verse 20. So 28. Then the mother of James and John, the son of Zebedee, 
came to Jesus with her son. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. 21. Verse 21. Okay. Now Jesus asked now, what is your request? He asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, We are able. Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones He has chosen. When the ten, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Of course, what do you expect? But Jesus called them together and said, "You know that the rules in this world lord it over." Over their people, okay. The rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Verse 26. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom. For many. Now, this is a typical um, painting of what the Bible or the kingdom of God um, measures what greatness is or what greatness is in the kingdom of God. We all know this story, of course. The sons of Zephyr, James and John, with their mother, a very consigned woman that had this motherly affection, wanted to secure uh, the, the future of our sons. You know, um, they came to meet Jesus, she came to meet Jesus and met Jesus, but in your kingdom, I'm very sure it's here on it. Let my two sons be one on your left, one on your right. I'm very sure the rest of the disciples will be a few in us. They also want it. They also desire that fact, especially Peter, I'm very sure. Uh, I'm very sure Peter will not take like when the mother of James and John leaves. But this is the world system. Even when Jesus asked, you, can you drink that cup, that bitter cup? They said, yes, of course, definitely. They don't understand what it meant. If they do, in their state of hearts, I don't think they will accept. So please keep that cup. And just be the lowest in your, in your in your kingdom. But of course, for anyone to 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 great, you need to serve. Here in this world system, anyone great means people are serving him. It means he has a lot. Uh, yes, means 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 he has a lot of things approved to his name. Uh, he has a lot of title that comes before and after his name. You know, God does not really care about all those things. He doesn't care if Mr. A lives in a mansion, Mr. B lives in a duplex, 
It doesn't care about the titles, the degrees, the career um, achievements that you have. It cares one thing that does those things, will those things take is love, just as 1 John 15 says. When those things take is love you from the Of course, definitely we all agree. When a man's heart is after acquiring um, a lot, he suddenly loses the focus, he suddenly loses the relationship, he suddenly loses that, that thing he wants to have to follow. He loses that. So God cares mostly, most especially about if those things really will take his love away from, from you. I just imagine probably when most of us uh, probably God might even decide to not give some of us what even have just because he knows that when you do have them at that time, uh, it might take his love away from from, from him. Alright? So do you know again that the world system you know is designed that one can never arrive or get to that place with all this wanting more. It is just designed that way. People want to get more, people want to get more degree, more title. You know, just put a title uh, at the back of their names or put a title at the end of their names. I just there's a church I used to go then when I was a teenager. This man of God with all you and for close to five years, or no, let me say eight years, yes, we all know him as uh, as Reverend. No, I went to an American church, just a Reverend. But suddenly we did not see him for a long time in came back and when I saw his name, JP was at the back. It's okay. Yes. He has gone to Jerusalem. He's um, now a so anytime he mentions his name, he has IJP at work. After some couple of years to notice this doctor involved. So people refer him as doctor, his name, and JP at the end. You know, that is all we all crave. That's what most people crave for. And that is what the whole system all look at titles. Look at what they've achieved, but all these are forces. We don't need all these to be who God desires us to be. We don't need all this to, to prove our love for God. These things will take away the love of God in our heart. They are not necessarily going to improve because the self cannot in itself, you know, please the Lord. The Bible never said anywhere that no guys we need to patch that on self. We need to you know do some cosmetic on it so that it can be what I desire it to be. No. It says do away with it. Put it off and put it new self. Like clothes that you wear on, you know, take away that old one and put in new one. Of course, definitely that doesn't mean that uh, 
We all agree that even when you put on a new one, you can also put it up and go back to the old one without water. The Bible um, encourages us to put off that old self and to, to put on a new self. In that new self, that is where we get our confidence. Now, we, do not need, we don't need to start looking for ways to get self-esteem, ways to, uh, to improve ourselves, our confidence, or our hope. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in what he has done in us and through us. Christ has done the whole work. He says, first of all, seek the kingdom of God and all this will be added. You know, we need to be careful. Um, I also know someone too that when he was looking for a job, he was always very fervent in church. He was always going to church. But as soon as he got his job, wanted to start with him, nine to five, you know, one day he called me and said, um, his pastor has not referred to him. Why? Why do you say the pastor has not referred to him? Pastor was, was calling for not being in church. Why is it wrong now to be in church? He said, No, that well, you know, I work, I go to I work nine to five, Monday to Saturday, and the only time I have to rest is Sunday. I said, Well, as you remember, when you were looking for the job, you were always presenting job, even on Tuesdays, in the morning, you might even sleep there all Now you have this job. It's, it's, it's now between um, you, it's now between God and your work. That that's the only time you rest. Another person too, I know, you know, when he went to the UK, barely five or six months he was in the UK, um, he called and said, you talked so much about so many other things, but he made mention, he said, now he doesn't pray as much as he does pray. I mean, everything works still. Everything happens still for him. So he doesn't pray as much as he prays those things. Now I'm saying, okay, when you pray, what are those content of the prayer? Is it just food? God bless, uh, bless the work with my hand. Uh, Lord, give me this, give me that. He said, yes, he doesn't pray all those things anymore. I know the only thing he had to go to church now. So but when we seek these things, when we go after these things, when we lost, when we convert, when our eyes are issue, when um, when we want to amass all these things without you know developing our relationship with God, these things have a way, they are spirit, it has a way, it takes away, you know, the love of Christ in us. It takes away the love of Christ in us. And our identity, we start looking at those things as our identity. We start looking at those things as our source of happiness, as, as our source of confidence, as our source of hope. In fact, it becomes a source of security. And that is why people, people will always find it hard. Remember when the young man came to Jesus and asked Jesus, what else must he do? He has done everything. He kept the commandments. He has uh, 
into more facts. What tells you to do? Of course, she doesn't use his heart. So find this what do you want to do? What I know it was very dark. So we'll sell everything you have for you to fall and come and follow you. It was really sad. It was really sad. He was thinking about how will he lose those things. His old self, he was self-centered. That kind of person is not ready. That kind of person is not ready to 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 commit to the way of God. The things of the Father is not uh, part of that person's life. Is the, the world system encourages self. The devil is the chief architect. Satan is the chief architect of this. Remember what happened in um, um, in Ezekiah. Ezekiah talked about it. I know last people with some group of kids um, on New Year Day. Just speaking with them about the Bible. And um, at one point I was describing how Satan fell, how the devil fell. I was using the word Lucifer, and they asked, uh, Is that in the Bible? Because we, does the Bible give you all? Is it in the Bible that, did um, the Bible describe the fall of Satan? That is Lucifer, his name. I was kind of shocked because these people are deep behind preparing to go to universities. But I'm very sure, I trust we all know where the Bible talked about that, the fall of Lucifer. Yes, I'm very sure of that. I don't ask any question. So let's go to Ezekiah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Ezekiel. Ezekiel 28. I'll try that. I said Ezekiel in my heart, not Ezekiel. <laughs> Ezekiel 28. 17. I'm focused on 17. Okay, let's see amplified transcription. Okay, your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you onto the ground. I lay you before kings that they may they might gaze at you. Okay, I think every translation have that that the um, translation used that word proud. Your heart was proud and lifted up. Proud can be associated to the third factor, which is called pride of life. Alright, um, the I look up the definition of proud from the Oxford Dictionary. It's someone having or showing a high or excessively high opinion of oneself or one importance. Can you see the definition of self alone there? Romans 12 3 says that we should not think highly of ourselves, but what we want to do what is sober. 
Then, if you look at it again, Roman, let's go back to Ezekiel 2017. For 17. Your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. The Bible uses the word, you corrupted your wisdom. What is this? Do we all agree that men's wisdom is not the same as God's wisdom? Of course, God's wisdom says that God's wisdom is all about God's way of life, how God sees things. Don't worry about Philip, I will give um, how the mind when I'm done to continue the service. So, the devil corrupted, or Lucifer corrupted his wisdom because of his splendor. Now, when the, the Bible uses the word that the devil corrupted, um, his wisdom, it means that the devil left God's own way, you know, chose to chose to follow his own wisdom, his own way. He left God's own truths, he left God's own way of thinking, God's way of doing things, and decided to to to, to follow his own heart. This is what the whole self is attributed. This is a, 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 a good example of, this, of an attribute to self. The self is self-centered. Your old self is self-centered. Your old self is proud. And because of that, it corrupts God's wisdom. God's way of seeing things. God's way of seeing the truth. God's way of living. Alright. Then we can also see Isaiah. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, 13, 14. And you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of assembly in the uttermost mount. I will ascend above the height of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high. Do you see the number of high there, the pronoun high? This is self-centered. This is the core attribute of self-centeredness. And this is what the devil has designed the world system to be like. Who has made it? What does it mean to be that someone has suddenly arrived? Do we need those things to be, to, to be who God has desired us to be? Do we need those things to be who God wants us to be. Of course, I'm not saying that you don't need those things, you don't need to change careers, you don't need to you know, build your career goal, you don't need to um, work together more, you need to be able to feed your family. No. But we don't need to let those things get the best of ourselves. We don't need to let those things take the love of God from us. The love of God would not be that person if that is what um, the person has acquired in his heart. 
We don't need to follow the world system of values that you need to be great in such a way to be able to, you know, to be able to serve God. Those those values alone are not are not uh, metric for us to say that we do serve God. I know many people use that that uh, um, show me your show me your car and I will tell you who my God is. No, I mean that's absolutely wrong. Those things alone itself does not define us. God does not care about those things. And all He cares is that His love in you will will those things take away His love. He doesn't care to 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 give His people wealth. Yes, that's that's his thoughts. That's his mind. But of course, he doesn't want those things to go away. The children of um, Israel, you know, at one point when there's famine or when something's going wrong, they all come together, cry to the Lord, seek those things, this and that. Lord be forgive them, bless them. But as soon as they have a lot, their hearts feel for you know. They walk away from those wisdom. They do things that are contrary to, to God. So I just want to encourage us that in our everyday pursuits of who we want to be, uh, in our everyday hustles and hustles on how to on how to meet. Uh, life's uh, necessities. We don't need to allow those things to take away the love of God in us. It says, if the love of God, if, uh, let's go back to 1 John 15 again. I don't, I don't say it. Let us read it again. 1 John 15. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. Now, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not there. I do not say if anyone loves, uh, if anyone loves to walk, the love of the Father is not there. No, this is that's not what I'm saying. That if the things of this world takes the time of God from you, that it suddenly becomes that in a week, the only time you pray. Maybe once or twice, and definitely something is wrong. It's a red flag. And if the only time you get to pray is when you're about going to bed, when you're very tired, in fact, you might even doze off about starting your prayer. It's a red flag. Something wrong. These things must not take God away from us. That we are looking for one or two things must not take. God away from us. Our, our security, our confidence, our hope is in God, is in Christ in us. Who we express his power. Though this body is just a juggling, Christ in us may express himself through his power. Let us be, let us be encouraged that the Lord himself says we should first seek, his words are always true, we should first seek him and every other thing will be added to us. 
Else for poor covetousness. Else for poor self-centeredness. Else for those old self. Let's put it all. Going back to our old self, we definitely corrupt God's wisdom in us. We need to do away with our old self and embrace our new self. We don't, we don't want to be that person that looks, suddenly looks in the mirror and definitely forgets who he looks like or who or how he looks like. And that's not possible. We have to be imitators of Christ. We have to follow Christ. We have to be like him. Paul says, imitate me as I follow Christ. And that should be our main trust. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word again today. We thank you, mighty Father, for we know, Lord God, that your love, nothing, nothing can stop your love from us, for us. No tribulation, no fear, no famine, no death. Nothing in this world will take your love away from us. Lord, as we desire, mighty Father, to serve you, to follow you, Lord, strengthen us this day. Strengthen us to continue, mighty Father, to, 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 to know you more. Give us spiritual understanding and wisdom as we desire to learn more and more of you. Lord Father, equip us with all we need to be right with you. Lord, reveal and expose, mighty Father, your mysteries to us. We desire to know you better, Lord. We desire to know you. We desire to take away, put off this self, this whole self for good. Lord, strengthen us with your love with your power. Lord Father, keep us in your love. Always through your Holy Spirit to strengthen us as we go in and out, as we do our daily activities. Your love will be seen in us. Your love will keep us. Your love will strengthen us. We will be reminded and guided in the best way to work with you to be right with you, to seize every opportunity, to redeem every time, to be aware of what the world system is posing to us. Lord, give us the spirit to know you more and more. We desire to know you more. We desire to walk with you. We desire to be right with you. We desire to put this old self away. We desire to have this new self so that we can be who you want us to be. We can be that person you desire us to be in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you all the glory. Lord, we give you all the honor. You are worthy in this place, mighty Father. Your name be praised, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your message.
Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.